Hey there, and welcome to Reaching Out with Michael Constable. I'm your host, Michael, and Reaching Out is a podcast on a mission to make coming out easier through story sharing. I am so thrilled to have my friend and former coworker, Nicole Scarlato, on the podcast today. I met Nicole back in 2019 when I first moved to San Francisco because she was a coworker of mine at Lyft. My first memory of her was watching her give a company-wide Pride presentation during my first week on the job during Pride Month. The following Pride Month is when I first got to interact with her, and as I explained to her in the beginning of the episode, she was the key to me sharing my coming out story for the very first time, and in turn, I give her some credit for this very podcast. Nicole tells us about her journey coming out as a trans woman, a process that she didn't really start exploring as a possibility until her early 30s. She tells us about the major life changes that she had to take on in order for her to get to a place where she allowed herself to explore that feeling of difference that she had held on to for most of her life. This includes both leaving the church that she was involved in and not going through with an engagement. Nicole reminds us that it's never too late to make a change in your life, a sentiment that I personally love as somewhat of a late bloomer myself. We talk about so many good topics on this episode, including exploring your true self-identity later in life, coming out in the workplace, the importance of safe spaces and the impact that they can have on those exploring their identity, navigating imposter syndrome, and even the whirlwind period that had Nicole modeling for an ad campaign in New York City and partying at the Pride Parade with Sasha Velour. It's just too good. And if this episode or Nicole's story resonates with you, Friendly reminder to please head on over to wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to follow and leave a review, letting us know what you liked about the episode. And without further ado, here's Nicole's story. Nicole Scarlato, it's so good to see you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today with us. How's it going? It's going good. It's, I'm excited. It's been a while since we've connected and, and seen each other. I love when I have somebody, a guest on the show who... I like I know or like have is, was an important person in my in my experience my life and you I was really excited to have you on and I told you that there is like something I wanted to share with you <laughs> when we were about to start and so just for some context for our listeners Nicole and I were coworkers at Lyft so when I first moved to San Francisco I started working at Lyft and um, I met I met Nicole through that and it was I think it was my second year. I was, it was right after my first year. Um, it was Pride Month in June. It was like mid-COVID, like early early COVID. Um, we weren't able to do any like Pride um, events at the office because we weren't going in. So it was like a virtual Pride that year. And one of the things that, that we did, and I don't know if this was, I started during Pride Month in the year before. So I actually don't like remember like what, if this was like just for because of COVID and virtual world or whatever. There was the opportunity to share your uh, story of pride. You were organizing the list of stories and all of that stuff, right? Like you were involved in it, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I was never like in a formal leadership position, but I always was like one of the leads. And you know, when it came pride, it was kind of all hands on deck at that point. So I'd help out wherever I could. And I so like my memory was you. I just remember you being like the point of contact for me and like the person that I would go to with questions. And I was so nervous, and I I had been wanting to do something about sharing my story, and I'd never done that before, really, in like a I don't know, like a formal way. Like I I never did anything like that before, and I'd written in the past and like tra- like travel writing and that sort of thing, and I loved it, but I never dove into anything like super personal, like a coming out story, um, and. So like, but I was very, I knew I wanted to. And so I think I reached out to you and I, I, the way, (laughs) the way that I remember this was I was like, okay, I like think I'm going to, I'm like considering this. Like, it's not like, I I think I want to do it, but I'm still like a little timid and I might like back out. But I remember, so I remember reaching out to you and you, and the way I remember is like, you're just like, okay, you're, you're going to be in two weeks or something like that. Like you gave me a slot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So it's like, okay, there's no, there's no going back now, which I actually really appreciate because um, I could have gotten a little nervous. I could have backed out and I, but I knew I wanted to do it. So if I did back out, it would have yeah. been like, I would have regretted it. But you're like, you gave me a slot. I remember. I, that's how I <laughs> remember it. And so I was like, oh shit, now I have to actually like write something. And then I wrote, I wrote this, you know, I, I wrote it out in like Google Docs or something like that. And then I remember sharing it with you and i was like so nervous you like proofread it for me basically before we did it um and you i just remember like the feedback you gave me was like so encouraging and heartwarming and made me feel so good about it and so excited to share it and then then we did and we shared it was like you shared we shared it with the entire company and like the all company slack channel and i just remember like that day of sharing it was like the best day of my life (laughs) like i've never felt 
I've never gotten like better like feedback that has made me feel better than that day where, you know, yeah. people comment on the thread and everything. And I truly and what the point of this is to bring it and to bring it back to where we are today is I truly look back on like why like this podcast and like why I even have it or why I'm doing it. And I look back on that, that this, my story of pride in um, for Lyft as like the beginning of this. And I picture and I, I honestly like think about you when I think about that, because you were like such a big supporter and encourager for me. And like, you gave me that slot and didn't let me, you know, you, didn't, you were going to make it hard for yeah. me to back out. And I, that's exactly what I needed. And I think that brings us full circle today. Cause I, I honestly think that that was like the stepping stone of me getting really comfortable with like sharing my personal story, hearing, um, I got so much feedback from that story from like people that I knew that read it. Um, cause I ended up posting it to medium and I got a lot of feedback from it and people even like, saying, you know, like really nice things about like giving them the courage to come out to the family member and like stuff that I was like, from what the words I wrote, like what? <laughs> um, so yeah. all that is to say, I think that that kind of like started this journey that I'm on. And so I wanted to let you know that because I, I don't think I've ever told you that. And I think it's it's really special to me. So I'm for that and many other reasons, I'm excited to see you, but it's just really good to have you. And I'm so happy that now you can be a part of this. So thank you. That it, for those that are that are listening and not watching, I've had a smile on my face this entire time. You've been, you've been telling that that seriously makes me so happy, and I, I I totally remember that our conversations through Slack. I remember this, um, and I mean to know that I was able to play a part in you know just some of your own story is just a privilege, and, um, and it just makes me really happy. And it doesn't surprise me. I mean, your story was fantastic. I remember reading it and being like, yeah, people need to see this, um, and. Uh, I know from, you know, my own experience, how empowering it can be to really, you know, be comfortable enough to share your story. I mean, it might not be comfortable at first, but yeah. it does get easier as you do it. Um, yeah. And I've had some similar stories where people have reached out to me and, and, and said, you know, my visibility has, has made an effect for them. And um, it's very surreal when that happens. Yeah. It's very surreal. You're like, really? I know. You're like, me? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But, but I think that just goes to show that like, um, I, well, A, I think people like, crave authenticity and vulnerability um, in a time where I think there's not enough of it. Um, but also just that's why visibility is so important. You know, I mean, I think when I was a kid and and, and uh, there was no one I could look up to. I didn't even know trans was a thing. You know, partially could have been because the, the era too. I was being born in the late 80s. But, um, you know, if I would have had people comfortable and confident enough to to be out and and talk about who they were and their identity like i i probably would have figured it out sooner yeah even um, like just access so, to stories like even you know yeah. i i grew up i was born in 90 and like you know growing up i just i i've talked about this with some guests on the show it's like i don't even know right now it's so nice that you, there's like youtube there's tiktok there's like all these different ways to find like to find connection and like find other people's stories and just learn but like, I just don't think we, it was like that easy back then. Like, I just don't even know, yeah. you know, totally pretty recently. So, um, and I want to make sure we give the, uh, let the audience uh, get an intro to you. So would you love to give a uh, quick intro to yourself? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Um, so as you probably all know at this point, my name is Nicole, Nicole <laughs> Scarlato. Uh, pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, I am a transgender woman. Um, I am an amputee. Um, Gosh, so many more identities I could probably throw in there if I need to, but those are like the, the, some of the big ones. I, I'm white for what it's worth for those that are you know listening and not and not viewing. Um, um, yeah, and uh, I, I definitely I'm you know in my late 30s now. Um, I'm comfortable enough talking about my age. <laughs> I don't mind sharing that, but I think you know what I I think is cool about my story, at least I think is, is the fact that I really didn't figure it out until my thirties, my early thirties, um, in terms of like my identity as a, as a, as a woman. Um, and, uh, even, you know, I, my, my career, like my, my work journey, um, really just kind of part of that as well. So and I used to have this like sense when I was younger around, like, if I don't figure something out, it's going to be too late, whether it be career or, or whatever it may be. And I mean, I'm now in my, like I said before, my late thirties and I like, I have a career now and I'm really happy with it. And like, I'm, I'm just a whole different person since transitioning. And, um, yeah, I just think that, um, that is something that I hope more people understand is like, it's never too late to make a change in your life, whether it be something, you know, as big as like your identity, 
um, coming, you know, coming to terms with it, or even just, you know, just starting over somewhere or making a big change. It can be really, really tough when you've done something for many, many years and you kind of feel stuck. So yeah. Anyways, oh, I was doing my, I was doing my intro. I, I don't think there's no, anything else great. I want to add to that. Um, oh my gosh, that was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, cool. I'm excited to hear as somebody also who came out a little bit later, like I, you know, it was in terms of like finding, you know, figuring out who you are a little bit later in life. I came out um, as gay when I was, I was 28. Um, I'm interested to hear kind of like your process through that too, because that's something that I've always felt like I like, you know, it's, it's easy. It's easy to look back sometimes and be like, Oh, I wish I had done this sooner. And like, I'll think about some like lost time. Um, I feel like I'm playing catch up to people who have been doing this like much longer than me. Um, it's difficult. And so I, I think I've, I've always found myself really attracted to like stories about of other people who have like found themselves a little bit later in life too. Um, cause I think it's, I think it's beautiful. And I think it is such a good reminder that you can, there, it's never too late to find yourself and to keep like pushing towards authenticity. So I, I'm a, I, I'm in fully in full agreement with you on that. So, and, and, and for those listening that are like 30 is not that old. Um, I, I mean, I know people in their fifties who transition and there's obviously, you know, some challenges that come along with that being older, just cause your body, the way things are. But mm-hmm. I mean, I know people that are so happy and they're like, I would never, I, I, the happiness I have now, um, doesn't even compare to before, even though yeah. my life might be a little more uncomfortable being an open trans woman, you know? Yeah. Um, so I anyway, mean, my point of this is like, for those listening that might want to discredit us for being only in our thirties, like I think, <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, age is really, it's, it's, it can be relative. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. And you just moved back to San Francisco. You just told me that's exciting. I did. Yeah. I was been in New York the past, gosh, three ish years, not quite three years. Yeah. Almost. Um, Loved it. Could see myself being back there eventually at some point. Um, it's just such an amazing city. So much energy. I made so many friends out there. Amazing queer scene, um, which I think is just awesome. I kind of felt like I found uh, my people out there in a lot of ways. Um, but, you know, the Bay Area is home. Um, so I, I decided uh, to take some time back here. And um, my brother and his wife were having a kid. So I'm excited to be an aunt oh, that's for fun. the first time. Nice. Yeah. And just to spend some time with, with my parents and my brother, my other brothers. Um, kind of felt like it's nice to, to do that, you know, at this point in my life. The other thing is just like, you know, looking for some stability. I feel like I've moved, even though I've been in New York for the last few years, I've still moved like once a year for the past six years into new yeah. places, whether it be in an apartment or, or in a room somewhere. Um, so I'm kind of at a place where I'm, I'm looking forward to, um, you know, maybe staying somewhere for, for at least a few years, putting some roots down, you know, yeah. building some communities. So, I know that um, sounds nice. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I like, and we could talk more about this as I tell more of my story. But I remember um, a conversation I had with my, my now sister-in-law um, when I first came out and she was asking me some questions and she asked me like where I see myself in like five years or how, however long, like down the road. And I told her I was like, at the time, like I had no idea what was in store for me, um, which you know I, I will share some of that uh, around some of the modeling stuff I've done and, and some of the cool work there. Um, but I remember answering that with just like, I just want a relatively normal life. Like I want to like have a place in the city and like be able to have a good job and walk to work and like have my girlfriends and, you know, maybe have a boyfriend and date. And like, you know, that's kind of what I think um, I wanted from the start. And then I, I kind of lost track of that for a bit, not in a bad way. I, I was kind of like growing with the punches as things came to me at some really cool opportunities, but I'm now like at this place where Okay, I think I'm ready for that for a bit. So, um, so that's my goal here with moving into, into San Francisco and just kind of re- not relaxing, but just kind of laying low for a bit. You know, yeah. the other thing too is I really want to, I really want to like with some stability. I, I also want to kind of like start to like invest some time in just like my, my the artist in me and just like I want to create more. I haven't done enough of that. I feel like I've done like some full modeling stuff, but um, you know, haven't been um, on the other side of the camera or haven't really done. Um, as much as I would like to with like my writing. So I'm, I'm hoping to also focus in on that in this next chapter. So. Oh, I love that. And also speaking of the modeling, I think I've seen some recent photos you've published or you've posted. I think some, you have some photographer yeah. friends. Oh my God. Like absolutely gorgeous photos. I am. Ex- I think Thank I'm you. excited to see some more of this. Cause I think it sounded like there are, there's something coming soon with that. Right. Those black and white photos. Yeah. Yeah. Actually I can, I can talk a little bit about here. Um, yeah. There's actually going to be I'm going to be in a book, actually. Oh, hell yeah. That's um, awesome. 
Yeah, yeah. It's called skin. Um, and it's it's basically um the human body and all its different forms. It's a very like um the goal of it's to be very inclusive and to show, you know, just all kinds of people, all kinds of bodies. Um and uh, this photographer who, you know, I met through a friend who I know through social who, you know, social media. Um, he's fantastic and he's just got a really, he's a really sweet guy. He's a really great eye. Um, and he's, this is his passion project. He's working on it for like years now. Um, he's had, you know, Kickstarter to fund everything and it's finally come into fruition. So I, um, I photographed, it was almost a month ago now. And it was kind of like the, the book was just about dumb. He like snuck me in. He's like, I would love for you to be in. And I was like, yeah, sure. Let's do this. Yeah. It's so amazing. Thank you. That's an excellent intro. It's n- nice to like, kind of catch up and see, you know, what you're doing, where you're at now. Um, I'm sure we'll be crossing paths in, in SF pretty soon here. Um, but you want to dive into, uh, let's dive into the story. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. So it's funny. Um, I think as far back as I can remember, I had these feelings that would kind of come and go around really like feeling like I should have been born a girl. Um, and like I said, I was born late eighties. I was a nineties kid and, um, you know, the word transgender wasn't a thing. (laughs) Um, I think where trans people existed was very much on the margins of society. Um, and you know, that wasn't in mainstream, right. Um, internet was in its infancy. I think you and I were probably one of the first generations to really have it. Um, you know, at least in some capacity. Um, and it looked a lot different back then too. Right. Um, so I've kind of had this feeling with me that's kind of, I've been able to compartmentalize for most of my life. Um, but it wasn't until I'd say in my twenties where I started to come across trans people on the internet, but it was never like a, Oh, that's me. I just, I felt this like longing when I would, when I would come across people and their stories and like see photos of like, Oh wow. Like if I, if I didn't like know anyone or I could go somewhere and just kind of like start totally new, I'd be curious to, 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 to see what this is about. But I never really let it get beyond that. I thought I was gonna be weird. I didn't think it actually meant I could be trans. Um, and I just, my whole life, life, I've really cared what people thought about me. Um, um, and it's something that um, I think, you know, I, 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 it's still there. It's not like it was bad as it was before because I'm way more comfortable with myself, you know, but you still have that like desire to like fit in and be accepted. And um, I think the other piece like that maybe makes things as another layer to things is, you know, I'm an amputee and it was a birth condition. So, you know, I've always probably had this innate feeling from a young age, realizing that I was like physically different and really trying hard to really fit in. Um, so I think that probably compounded it as well. But I would, I would say that the actual like coming out and like transitioning story, it, it happened, um, in my early thirties. Um, basically what was like the trigger was um, I was in this relationship with someone um, with a woman actually. Um, and just for, so everyone knows I'm, I'm pansexual. So I, I, I attracted to any gender. Um, I will say I prefer men. So anyone that's listening, that's single and hit me <laughs> up. No, just, just kidding. I am we're, single though. We're so. really, we're really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a quick, quick plug. No. Um, but yeah. And I think, it's also an interesting conversation we can have. I don't want to get too far on it. It's like I, I, my whole life, I primarily dated a woman because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until kind of coming to terms with myself where I opened, I opened my, you know, took, took off the blinders and kind of just like saw the whole purview and, and yeah. started to experiment and see what it was that I really liked. But um, anyways, I was engaged to this woman. Um, we each other for like four years. And um, I, I, I remember being with her was really great in some ways because of the fact that, well, for many ways, I really loved her, but um, up until that point, when I got with her in my like late twenties, you know, I spent most of my life numbing myself with different stuff, whether it be you know lighter recreational drugs, some harder stuff, um, alcohol. It was always something. I mean, even things that one might not see as an issue, right? Um, like I was really, you know, I was an athlete for a bit. I ran track at, at like the Paralympic level in, in my early twenties, and. Even that I became addicted to, you know, doing it to the point of working out to the point of, you know, just ignoring everything else um, as it was like an escape. Um, and I think what happened was, is I got, you know, with my ex and I felt this need to want to kind of grow up and maybe figure out my career. At this point, I'd kind of worked off and on in my family's business for many years. Um, I didn't, you know, finish school and I wanted to, you know, 
kind of figure out like, okay, what am I supposed to do next? Well, I'm supposed to get married and start a family and all these different things that society like thought yeah. expected of me. Um, and now I didn't, I, I, I stopped using cause I wanted, I wanted to kind of like get my, my stuff together and uh, tried having really bad anxiety. I didn't know it was anxiety at the time. Um, and my sleep was just horrendous and, um, it was really bad. It became unmanageable, unmanageable. And I, I remember opening it up to my girlfriend and, um, you know, she's like, maybe you should look into like therapy, you know? And I, I'd, I'd never done it before. I was like, never, not opposed to it, but it would just seem kind of foreign to me. You know, I came grew up in a family that just didn't really talk about their feelings. Um, it wasn't like you were ashamed if you did. It was more just like there wasn't this space where you could do it comfortably. And I think um, part of that maybe was my own parents' inability to grow up talking about their feelings too, if I were to, you know, give my, my, my opinions on it. But um, anyways, uh, I started going to therapy and at the same time. I also started meditating because I had a friend who was like, hey, you should check this out. Um, and those two things over the span of a couple of years, um, I like put in some real work on myself. I started to kind of um, peel back some layers, um, you know, learn how to be more honest with myself. Just the self awareness that wasn't as wasn't really there before. I think that I finally started to gain. And I remember, um, you know, waking up one day, and, and, and keep in mind, you know, at this point I'm engaged. You know, I'd asked my girlfriend to marry me. Um, we're planning on a wedding. We're also, um, and this I think is a big part of my story too, is, is religion. And, you know, we were, I grew up, even though I grew up in the Bay Area where it's, you know, a little more open-minded and, and you know, relatively more progressive, um, I still grew up in a, um, um, I guess what would be the, the Bay Area equivalent to like an evangelical church. Um, and, you know, my parents really didn't start going until I was born. I was the oldest. Um, so I, I, while we kind of stopped going as I got older, like, like, you know, regularly, um, I had gone every week for, you know, the first like eight to 10 years of my life, essentially. Right. So I have a lot of trauma from that and a lot of stuff that came from that. And, um, also it's ironic. It's Easter today. So yeah. <laughs> I just realized that as I'm talking about this. Um, so anyways, so I, I, going back to, you know, the, the, the story I was, I was giving around, you know, with my, my fiance, we were really involved in this church and it was, um, it was a church that, um, I think, had some um how do i say this nicely um i'm not going to say it was like a cult <laughs> because that's a little too extreme i think but i think there was this very much this like um high expectations on people that go to the church there and like their involvement and we found ourselves volunteering getting there at like 6 a.m every sunday and we just got burnt out and i, I felt like there was a lot of asking of us and i'm also wrestling with these like realizations i'm having about what it means to be me and questioning things for the first time and um and for the first time, not being afraid to even question the idea that there like, might not even be a God, right? Before that would scare me so much that I would shut down. Um, and kind of came to this realization one day after like, lots of work um, that, you know, the only reason I, I am who I am today, the only reason I believe anything I believe is because of the life I was born into, which I had no choice in the first place, right? So that kind of made me to really question, allowed me to really question just religion in general, Um and I'm not going to speak too much around like my actual feelings on religion, but in more in terms of my s specific situation, I'd never truly questioned things. And it allowed me to kind of break free and like see things from a different, you know, step outside of my box, right? And see things yeah. from a different lens, which made me realize like, wow, like this church is not for me. It's yeah. just simply not. Um, and, and, you know, that was a big thing with, with my ex because she was, you know, she grew up in church and it was a big deal for her to be married to someone where they went to church together. And, um, that just prompted this unraveling of I left the church. Um, you know, her and I were on the rocks at this point. We did couples therapy for a while. And um, I think through that, I, I started to see there were some things that maybe I ever looked before about our compatibility. Um, we just, you know, we therapy sessions just weren't going the greatest. So, um, you know, we unfortunately didn't, didn't work out. Um, but I think one of the things that came from that was I, I had this renewed sense of like, existence and like maybe purpose that went along with it where it was like okay i just did this work to basically you know figure out maybe closer to or figure out like what it meant to be me and learn to accept who i am whatever i may find and i went i went so far as to uproot my life for it um so you know i'm excited to see what life's going to be like with you know with this new you know mentality and i want to say within like a month of us of us breaking up um the thoughts came back the thoughts i mentioned before that i've kind of I've been flowed and penalized much of my life. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, holy shit. Like, um, 
I would be doing myself a disservice if I didn't at least explore these thoughts. Um, which is scary. They may be. So it's still scary though to so like to like yeah when you finally or allow yourself to kind of you know follow that you know pull on that thread a little bit. It's a scary scary moment. It was super scary, but I also will say that like I was still pretty fearless because I felt like you know like I said I just ruined my entire life. I'm like what else do I got to lose right now? It's kind of how I felt, you know, which which was a little bit of like me being naive. You know, because I didn't really know what was in store for me if I was going to start going on like a trans the path of transitioning. Because yeah, it was hardest thing I've done in my entire life. It's so 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 hard, but I'm um, so rewarding too at the same time, right? Um, so yeah, so I, I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to start talking to my therapist therapist about this and read people's stories online. Um, and I, you know, at this point, I got most of my information about being trans from like Reddit, some of the subreddits. So I got, I just started going down rabbit holes and. Um, it was actually seeing some really like incredible before and after photos that trans people had posted that really was like, Oh my God, I can look maybe not like that, but like, I can look totally different than how I look now. Like maybe this is possible. You know what I mean? To like physically, you know, you know, to transition and, and look the way that I feel. Right. Um, it feels so far off in the moment. Um, but I, I, I started reading more about like what transition entail, what it looked like for different people. Um, come to find out, like, there's not one way to do it, but there are some, like, things that people will, like, normally, you know, do, which is, like, going hormones, for example. Um, and, yeah, I decided I'm, I'm going to go through with this. Now, I was at a place where I moved back to my parents to save money because I was, you know, engaged. And my girlfriend and I, we didn't live together. Or my fiance, we didn't live together. Um, and, uh you know, I was like, oh, I'm going to save for a bit. I'm going to like figure out what's next and we can move in together when we get married. And this was also a bit of like a traditional thing that was the reason why we didn't live together too, which I won't get into too much, um, which I, you know, I wanted to respect on, on her end. But um, here I am single again, just had this like, crazy realization. And all of a sudden it's like, I'm stuck with my parents, I'm 30. Um, and not knowing like, you know, I, I feel like, I can't do this in secret. I just have to be open about it. You know, there's like, I can't hide it unless I just disappear, which I'm not going to do. I, I, I'm really close with my family. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I talked to my therapist more. I decided I'm going to go on hormones. I made an appointment. It was for like a few months away. Um, and I told myself, I was like, I'm just going to start to come out to people, you know, like one-on-one. Um, and we'll just kind of see how it goes. And I was very intentional at first, made sure to come out to people that I knew would, accept me no matter what people that I knew were traditionally very open-minded and supportive of the LGBT, you know, Q community. Um, like my cousin was the first one I came out to my cousin, Rochelle. Um, and like, she was a makeup artist and like, just like, she was like, so thrilled when I came out to her. In fact, <laughs> I remember this, this first conversation. I don't know if, if you, if you have something like a similar experience, but I remember, you know, when, when you do it the first time, you almost like in your mind, you, you say what you want to say, but like the words just don't really come out because you haven't done it. You don't have the like yeah. the practice, right? Next thing you, yeah. when you've done like 15, you're good, right? You have your like spiel down. Of, oh like, yeah, you got out, your pitch, you got the pitch. <laughs> I don't even think I used the words that I'm transgender in the conversation with her. I was like stumbling. I, I was trying to tell my like the history of how I started feeling that way to like justify it. And she was like, honey, honey, it's okay. Like, Sorry, are you saying you're like trans? You're gonna transition, and I'm like, yes. <laughs> uh, this was over tacos at Tacolicious. I remember yes. in, San <laughs> uh, in San Jose. It's so funny. Um, and yeah, that was kind of it. And I started telling more people that that did support me. And then I came up to my parents, and that was really hard. They, yeah. um, you know, the initial conversation, and this is, I think, not just with my parents, but with a lot of people, it was like, you come out assuming they had no idea, and which for me, the people had no idea. I was definitely like fitted well as like a guy. I like could do a lot of guys guys stuff and just faked it you know and and felt normal enough for me um but there was always this like initial like shock to where they they just let me speak and they didn't have a lot of questions and i was like oh that went really well and there was always the follow-up like they had time to think about it now they have you know 100 questions for you right and you got to go through and you know you don't have to answer all of them but kind of manage that (laughs) their expectations in terms of what what to expect and what you're going to do. And I mean, so many people are like, you know, I think you're making a mistake. You need to take your time. Don't rush things. I'm like, listen, you haven't been living with this. You know, you, you just don't know what it's like, you know, like, I'm sorry. But um, so, yeah. So, you know, I think the first six months after, you know, 
coming out to myself is when I started to really have these one-on-one conversations about three months after that, after the, that first coming out that I had got started hormones. And I was still like at this place where I wasn't comfortable, like going out as Nicole or like living as Nicole yet. I like knew that I was going to not look the way I wanted to look for a while. I had like made your beard before and just like awkward hair, you know, just everything's growing out and just, yeah. just didn't feel comfortable wearing feminine clothing. Um, which is a shame too. Like men should be able to wear feminine clothing too. Not that I was a man, but I was presenting as a man, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, I, I started. To, I, I told myself I just I'm just gonna wait, wait, and we'll see how I, how I feel after like six months to a year when it becomes a little more like undeniable that yeah. I need to start dressing a certain way. Um, but I worked at a family business. I mentioned this before. Um, Seventy plus years ago, my grandpa started a um, uh, service station in, in the Campbell area in South San Jose or in the San Jose area. Um, and they ended up doing like towing. So they do like AAA towing. And um, next thing you know, it grew and my uncles and my dad took it over. And now my, my brother runs it. He's one of the owners now or one of the like people that helps run it. So it's been you know, generational. And there was always, I think, this expectation that I was the oldest of all the cousins. And I was the oldest like, quote, boy, right? And I think there was this expectation that I would take it over one day. And it never felt like pressure in the sense of like, hey, this is, you need to take this over one day. But I just kind of felt it underlying like, you know, just that was there for me. And, and I visited, visited it for a long time, um, ended up working there, drove tow trucks, wore a lot of hats off and on for like 10 years. Never really felt right. I did enjoy it for what it was worth, but it never really felt right. And then, of course, I decided I'm going to start transitioning. So, you know, early on, no one really notices. I wasn't in a tow truck. I was in a room dispatching, so no one ever saw me. Um, and I got to the point where after being there for like six months after having started hormones, so this would put me about like nine months after, after, um, you know, coming out, um, I realized that I just, I needed to change. I just needed to be somewhere where I could be comfortable starting to dress differently and, you know, experiment with my pronouns and, and, you know, my name. And I knew it was going to be Nicole, but still just wanted that space. So I, I, I thought I'd, I did research and I figured I'd, I just looked for entry level jobs. Um, I'll be honest, I was really expecting to land in like, the coffee world as like a barista or something i had a lot of friends that were like in the bay area like doing like artisanal type like small you know coffee coffee shops that like had had their own coffee right and i just knew from talking to them that it was a very inclusive space for the most part um so i was applying to jobs um and then i saw this job for lyft um was a recruiting coordination job and I have no experience in the corporate world uh, at this at this point in my life. Um, I didn't finish school. I think I got some of my associates, um, but I did have like a year. I did as like with some like recruiting, like entry level work. Um, a friend got me the job. I was doing some like sourcing, a little bit of like scheduling, um, and like some candidate you know, candidate reach outs. Um, and I, I liked it. It was a really bad environment I was in at the time, um, but I I thought it was interesting. Um, so I saw that and I'm like, Oh, I'll just apply for this. Cause I know, I know what recruiting is. And I actually heard back from Lyft surprisingly, I actually was having trouble getting a job at like blue bottle and a few other places. I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> and uh, I heard back from Lyft. Now keep in mind, I, I applied to them like as a guy essentially, because at this point I still wasn't, I was starting to go out on the weekends once in a while with some of my friends that knew, um, you know, and I'd, I'd have like a wig and I, I'd put on, you know, I get dressed up, put on makeup. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. Like, I feel like you could have spotted me from a mile away that I was like, you know, early on in this process. But um, I ended up, uh, you know, deciding like when I was applying, that I was like, you know, I feel more comfortable applying as a guy. I just, I, I don't want people to see my transition as a liability. Um, I don't want to keep me from getting a job potentially. Um, I also am just very aware of the fact that like, you know, people with the way it is, you know, it is being a woman in the workforce, like, you know, a, a, a resume with a man's name might not get passed over as, as often as like with a woman's name. This is what I've heard at least. Um, Cause I've never actually been in a position of hiring people. Um, so I was like, I'm just going to like use that, you know, and maybe it helps me get the job. So I heard back somehow got the job. I really don't know how I like, I nailed the interviews. I was so nervous. I felt so out of my element, but I just, you know, faked it till I made it. I prepared and all that. Um, I remember going up to, in fact, I think you've probably read this story. Um, I remember my, my day of my interviews of like driving up to San Francisco from San Jose. I was in my Honda Accord. I hadn't worn like traditional, like fancy, like, you know, 
suit and tie in a long time. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to dress up. I'm not going to wear it's like the jacket, but I'll wear a tie with a collared shirt, which like, if anyone is listening to this, has worked at Lyft to know like that is not the environment at all, at all. But all they told me was to like do what you makes you feel comfortable. And I'm like, is that a trick question? Like, I don't know. Right? You know, I'm like, I know it's like mind games. I remember my first time at Lyft, I get there and someone was wearing like a Hawaiian t-shirt and chucks. And I was like, oh my God, I love this place. <laughs> yeah, right. Like once I realized that I was like, oh, this is amazing. But, but I literally went in this like, this like suit or the shirt and tie and slack that like didn't fit me anymore that well. Cause I'd started transitioning. I'd lost a bunch of weight. Um, and uh, it's kind of awkward. It was like ill-fitting, you know? Um, but I remember getting there super early going to the Panera around the corner there right next to the fourth and King station and to kill times. I didn't want to be late. So I got like an hour and a half early. Right. Um, and just like looked over my notes and, and trying to be too nervous. And then I started caught myself like fantasizing about like, what it'd be like to like get this job. It'd be like, it would change my life. I could live in the city. Like I always wanted to. Um, but I was like, try not to get my hopes up either. Right. I was like, okay, don't, don't get too excited yet. Just focus on this right now. Um, God, I was so nervous in my interviews, but there was one interviewer that I remember who um, lived at the time, didn't have a like, traditional like IND like um, team, you know, inclusion and diversity team, but there was one person that was doing some like IND work um, and he had to be one of my interviews and he was, um, now I know he was a, he was a gay man and um, pretty open about it, you know, because um, we started having a conversation. We finished really quickly. I gave, I, I happened to give the great, great examples of the interview. So like when I, I was able to sneak a peek back on my scorecards i forgot how oh yeah before they like locked me out of it and yeah, he gave yeah. me a strong yes so like, <laughs> um big reason i think why i got the job but um, yeah. I, rem- I remember towards the end of it we had a ton of time left he had any questions and i was like you know I, I feel comfortable around this guy i was like yeah like you know what does the support of like the lgbtq community look like here and he's like well i'm glad you asked and talked about we left out and that he was a gay man himself and I just felt in the moment, I was like, you know, this could be risky, but I, I feel like it, I should just mention that I'm, I'm actually transitioning right now, but I'm like, I'm not fully out just yet. So I mentioned it and he was like, that's amazing. He's like, you will be safe here. You will. I, he's like, I, I can just about guarantee you, like, this is a really great environment for, for that to be. And the transition will not be seen as a liability. So I was like, okay, that's great to hear. So I have to get the job though. Right. So I don't yeah. want to get my hopes up too much. Yeah. Um, I thought I had it and. They told me like, okay, there's a new manager coming in. We want to have her chat with you just as like a formality. I was like, okay, cool. So thankfully, they didn't tell me it was another interview because I couldn't find out it actually was. But I didn't feel that way. But we chatted. We totally vibed. And I got the job. And I found out from her later. She's like, yeah, we had two finalists. And they want me to chat with both to see which one. Oh, sure. Um, so it was like I thought a... would be better. Ooh. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. And her her and I are still friends now. She's not not with but um, we, we stay in touch. And it was she was amazing because I remember when I started, um, our one-on-ones often were like, you know, me asking questions about like makeup and like, you know, she was like, give me all the insight and the tips. And it was really, really sweet. Um, That's awesome. She would like take that role on. Yeah. It was definitely like nothing I would have expected, but you know, so anyway, so to, to finish the story is I, I, um, I got the job and I got my offer and I signed it. And then I called my recruiter, like, maybe like an hour later. And I was like, Hey, I want to talk to you about something <laughs> hoping that by saying this, like they couldn't just fire me. Right. Which that's a whole other question. But, um, so I ended up, uh, <laughs> so I ended up, uh, calling and talking to her and being like, so nervous. I was like, by the way, um, I'm actually in the process of transitioning. I go by Nicole. Um, my parents are she, her, and I'd really, you know, would like to use that at Lyft. We were, you know, I don't want to make the change later. And she was like, no problem. Like, not at all. Like, I'll let your manager know and, and show let the team know. And it really, really won't be an issue. And I was like, really? Okay, cool. So I was excited. And I was like, you know what? First day at Lyft's going to be the first day. I said, well, openly, I'm going to do this. So, like, I went out and got some clothes. Um, I dressed, still dressed pretty androgynous back then. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I told my family. I was like, hey, you know, like, I, I got this job. And, I, you know, I, I'm going to now start going by Nicole. Um and they were just like, okay, you know, and I think they could still kind of avoid it at this point because to give some color, like, you know, I came out to everyone, but I think when you're transitioning, especially early on, you don't really look much different. Yeah. Um, so there's this like sense where like they can kind of put it off and ignore it unless you know, it's really in front of their face, you know, yeah. and in this case it wasn't. Um, and uh, it was very frustrating because you know, I, they could just easily avoid it whenever I'd bring it up. My mom started to come around at this point, but still not quite there. I mean, she was supportive, but like, it was very awkward still. 
Yeah. And I started this job at Lyft, first day as Nicole, and I, I cannot begin to say how pivotal this experience was for me in my journey because I came into this place where there weren't, I didn't have any issues. I was accepted through I am. A couple of pronoun slip ups early on, but that went away very quickly. Um, no one knew my name from before, anyways, so that wasn't an issue. What a yeah, what um, a great and, start! Like a, it's like a clean like I don't know like from the I like how you like from this from day one forward. That's kind of that's incredible. Yeah, and I'm like I, I'm grateful that I I was able to do that. I mean, it was still very scary. I oh, mean, I'm like sure, yeah. I hadn't interacted with the world as Nicole on a regular basis just yet, so I definitely had major imposter syndrome. I had imposter syndrome of my of my gender identity. I had imposter syndrome of my should should I even be here? I was driving tow trucks before this. Like I was like, and I I get there. There's like the kitchen that's stocked, and like I go to the bathroom, and the bathroom has like gender inclusive like yeah wording about if you're you're free to use whatever gender you feel most comfortable with. We respect all forms of gender identity, and I'm just like, what? I'm use Got to use women's restroom my first day. I'd never used one before. Like, I just, oh my gosh! You know, going going into that day in and day out. Yeah, Lyft was a. You're like as you're saying this, I'm like I'm like I remember that writing, seeing that writing on day one on the bathrooms on every bathroom. Mm -hmm. Lyft was Lyft was that's a good that's a good place to be. I mean, not not to interject my story into this too, but Lyft was obviously like a very it was my first time being out in the workspace before because I came out while I was traveling and didn't have a job. And it was like, it was really scary. And it's like, but Lyft actually felt like a very safe place to be yourself. And I kind of like, you know, when, you, when there's like company have, they have their like their motto or like their, uh, their yeah. core values. A lot of times it's like, okay, are you, do you really do that? Yeah. Is that really something people care about? But I will say the one that I actually believe in, in the companies that I've worked at is Lyft has one that's called be yourself. And I yeah. truly, truly, mm -hmm. truly believe that and it, it felt like that type of place where you could and it's like it doesn't mean it wasn't like still a scary experience for you or for me like you know navigating yeah. this first time um as you know as your new identity you new, your new self is like it's still scary but it definitely made it helped for me it helped like me acclimate to living a openly gay life like way sooner um than or way easier than i anticipated it being so um yeah, shout out to Lyft I, for that. I, I, as you're saying this, I'm like getting all these warm feelings and. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I'm so grateful for the space I had there. Um, you know, I obviously was there up until just recently, um, and left on totally great terms. It's just you know talking about next chapters. I'm like I'm there right now, um, which we can get into too yeah. as well in a minute. But um, you know, I think what it did for me. I mean. So one, like, what it did for me personally, I, you know, like I mentioned, was like it just empowered me. I, you know, next now I'm coming to a place day in doubt where I can be myself, spending most of my my working out, my waking hours during the week there, right? And it allowed me to have the confidence to turn back around to the rest of my life and be like, okay, the train's moving. Like I'm not going to do this double life anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Nicole is here. You know, I I don't care if you you aren't comfortable with it or if you don't like it. Like you either get on or the train just keeps moving. You know. Yeah, um, which was a tough, a tough thing for people, and I think it still really took my family. That was a big thing for them to turn around. I mean, it still took time, I think, to like get to the point where sure. we're at today, where, where we're super, super close, and um, they're super supportive of me. And uh, you know, it's I'm very fortunate that I even had the ability to like have a chance to change that with them. I know a lot of people don't have that option that you know get rejected with their families and they're just disowned. I mean, I know people in that situation, and it's it's so tragic. Um, but I think, you know, in my, in my case, I was fortunate that they, um, you know, were, were willing to still have conversations. And I also think too, like looking back, I also think there, it, it, oftentimes I felt like I didn't want to do the work. I'm like, I shouldn't have to be educating them on this. Yeah. Um, and I shouldn't have to, but I will say that I, the work that I also put in as like laborious as it was and as emotionally tiring as it was, like did allow them to come around as well. Um, but again, going back, like I, I I, I was able to kind of establish myself because of the safe space I had. And, you know, I, I mentioned how this, this impact that, you know, left had on me, but I also think it also changed my perspective on like how much power there is in a safe and inclusive space, you know, whether yeah. it be at work or anywhere, right. Anywhere, how important yeah. that is. Yeah. And I think, I think I, I would love to see this more in the workplace, of course, but like, I just think this is like something that I, I, it's like my mission in life now is like, how do we make more of these spaces? You know, wherever I go, I want to make sure I'm doing my part to create a space. Um, you know, so, so folks know that, that, that this is a place they can be themselves and they'll be supported. And, um, 
you know, I wouldn't be the person I am today if not for it, you know, and I'm a totally different person than I was back then. Um, and I attribute that to the confidence that I gained, you know, just from being able to come in and be myself and do the job and not stress about the things I, I was stressing about outside of work around just existing as a trans person in society. Yeah. When did you wait? When did you start at Lyft? Like what year was it? I started, it was May of 2018. So about four years ago. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Because I mean, just on to the point that you were just saying of you wanting to be able to help foster and make these safe spaces. Like, I mean, I feel like I, I, I feel like I saw you, I think, again, I think it had to do something with pride because I started in pride month. And I think that I, I saw you, I think you were like presenting maybe at like an all hands, maybe. Did you? Yeah. Okay. That has to be it. Cause yeah. I was like, I remember, I remember like not meeting you, but like seeing you um, from very early on. And then I got to meet you a little bit later, but like my person, you know, I obviously didn't know any of the backstory till we're talking right now, but so like, I would have never known that, you know, you had just, you know, started your transition like a year before that. I would have like, you just always had this yeah. like confidence and like welcoming aura to yourself. And I like, I, I truly would have never known that until you just told me because I always, you just always had this confidence walking around in the office and like talking, you know, my first time seeing you was in an all hands presenting to everybody about pride month. Like, uh, it was just like, I, I'm, I'm actually a little bit like shocked cause you just seemed so like you, I would have never known. I would have never known. And you, and to the point of uh, creating like a, a safe space, I mean, I feel like I already kind of touched on this, but for me, you absolutely yeah. did. Um, you know, giving me the confidence and encouragement to do my story of pride. So like you, you've definitely been, uh, been doing that. Well, I'm really, makes me really happy to hear that. And um, yeah, I mean, I have some other really good friends now from Lyft who I have one in particular, we're like best friend. One of, she's one of my best friends and when she approached me. She wasn't out. She was still questioning and now she's transitioned and is doing amazing. I don't want to say transition, like it's done. She's transitioning. You know, she's a few years into it now or a couple of years. And yeah. um, it, it really makes me happy to know that I was able to make an impact in, in people's lives. And I think, you know, my hope is that like people can go on and, and just do that again to other people. Yeah. Right. Like, let's just yeah. like multiply this. Cause that's what she's doing at her new job. Right. Like she started a Slack channel for trans people and like is making sure the benefits are up to date. And I'm just like, yes, that's what we need. You know, like, um, yeah. So that was really special for me. I like that period. So like the about little before the one year market lift. So like in my first year, um, I started to become way more empowered, um, speaking up and out against things, um, or for things. Um, I remember, um, gosh, four months or so into my, into my, you know, time at lift where there was a memo that was leaked from the, at the time, the administration, um, um, from the Trump administration around, you know, systematically rolling back trans rights. Um, unfortunately, some of that has come to fruition, which makes me so, so upset. But um, I remember getting an email from Lift Out. Well, it was it was to Lift Out, the email alias. Um, this is 2018 still. Um, but it was written from one of the founders and um, John. And um, he heard this really just awesome message around like, hey, we stand by our trans community. We, we see you, we support you. Um, we're going to have someone come in from the Transgender Law Center. I think, I think it was Transgender Law Center. Um, maybe it was HRC. Um, come in and basically just like talk about what this means, you know. And it was like done over Google Hangout or Zoom or whatever. Um, and I remember I was physically in the room in San Francisco with a handful of their folks. And there were people in their offices that had joined virtually. And we had this lawyer talking about it. And I remember I was the only trans person, at least that I was aware of, in the room in San Francisco. And... Um, I was pretty open about it too, you know, and I remember when John spoke up about like, how can we best support, you know, how, how can we make sure that we're supporting them, you know, our, our boys, he looked at me the times he said it and I felt very seen and empowered. Like, I think this is what we need to see in organizations if we want to have inclusive environments, right? There needs to be buy-in from the top. Like, cause if I know that I can be, you know, if I'm going to be backed, if I can, I'll be empowered if I know that like the people in charge, you know, do want to do what it takes to support me, right? Like it's never going to be perfect, of course, but um, I don't know. I just felt really seen. I felt I felt empowered, and um, I decided at that point I was going to just get more involved. And I got way more involved and lived out. Uh, I met you know Tommy Hayes, who's a very good friend of mine now. Um, who was at the time he started lived out. Oh, I like Tommy's so and, nice. Tommy's oh, so I nice. love Tommy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, so he you know I, he got me involved. 
And I would say it was about spring of 2019 where I was at a place like I was like a year and a little less than a year and a half on hormones, maybe about a year and a half. So I was starting to like actually like see the changes in my body. You know, I had been getting my, 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 my beard removed. So it was like way lighter. It wasn't as obvious anymore. So I can kind of hide it. Hair was getting longer. So these things started to come together, which happens in the transition. And I started feeling more comfortable and empowered just, just being open as, as myself, as a woman, um, and a little less nervous, but also just like having a place at Lyft where like I did my job, there was no questioning about who I was. Like people were using the right pronouns. They just normalized it very quickly for yeah. me. Um, and it led to the work I'd been doing in the ARG. Um, Tommy like basically connected me with this team that wanted to, to work on the pride campaign for 2019. And this was a year they actually started working on it super early. It was like having conversations in like March about it. Right. And at the same time, and this is like totally like just things colliding, coincidence, whatever you want to call it. Um, I told myself maybe like a year before, like, oh, if I ever get to the point where I like what I see in the mirror, I want to do like a photo shoot just for fun, you know? And I, I did some work and found someone that was um, ended up being trans too. They came out as non-binary um, after the fact, but uh, we did this photo shoot in LA and I had never felt more comfortable in front of a camera just like I felt so good. And um, they're also, their their work is just amazing too. They just have an awesome, cool, like ethereal, like vibe to a lot of their photos. And uh, I got them back and was just like floored. I'm like, I want to do that again. That was so fun. At the same time, concurrently at Lyft, um, I'm being asked to help um, basically advise for this campaign they're going to do for 2019 called Two is Too Few to support the transgender community. And what they want to do was actually like put pronouns into the Lyft app. Um, this is something that people have been wanting for a while. They just hadn't done it. And at the time, no other rideshare company was doing it. So um, this is like unheard of, I feel like, in like a, 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 a pride campaign or any like kind of affinity month campaign. But the entire company was on board. Every organization from from engineering to like legal to, to creative and marketing to, you know, um, comms, everyone was, it was, was bought in. Um, and we had some like, wild budget too it was like super like wow like this is really they're gonna like do this right and what came of it was this really beautiful campaign um and the, the copy for it and like the creative like the the work for it was fantastic um it was just it was called they ended up coming with this two is too few campaign and they ended up um you know again through consulting me they came to me and they were like hey we're thinking about like doing like some like some like photo like a photo shoot like having actual models um we really like I, one of the, the people on the creative team I was working with closely. She was like, I really like the photos you did. Do you think that photographer would be interested in doing our, our shoot? And I was like, yeah, I can totally connect you. Oh, that's and awesome. then she was like, follow that up with, she's like, would you want to be in the shoot? I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, why, why not? Why not? <laughs> so they fly me down to LA. Well, and I'm met up with all these other trans and non-binary models at my friend Alex's place, the photographer. We did this amazing photo shoot. It was so fun. Um, and, you know, come back from that. And now things are being finalized. They have this like media event in New York City. And they're asking me if I want to be like a spokesperson to speak at the, at the event. I'm like, sure. Why not? Oh I'm my like, gosh. At this point. This keeps escalating further and further. <laughs> yeah. And at this point, like I, my whole life, I was definitely afraid of public speaking. So as someone who cared, people thought about me, right? I was in this fear that I'd go up there and just mess up and, you know, I'd be judged or whatever, or lots off the stage or something silly. And, um, I, you know, was like, yeah, you know, I'll do it. Why not? And I also at the same time, like, happened to sit on a panel um, outside of Lyft for like being trans in tech. Um, and I, I, the panel was super fun. I was like, oh, I, I could see myself get on the stage more. And then I had the opportunity to do this. And then they asked me to speak at the All Hands, right? So all this, this campaign came about, like they planned it. And then, you know, Pride came. I flew me out to New York. I spoke at this event um, the week weekend or the week before Pride, like a few days before Pride, before June. Um, and it was it was so cool. I get to be at this like amazing, like bougie dinner with all these like LGBTQ, like celebrities and like just influencers and just people that are like respected in the community. Um, and our main, I remember our main um, celebrity or our main like influencer that year, like partnering with the campaign was Sasha Ballore. Um, oh, cool. For Drag for, Race. You know, yeah. Drag yeah. Race. They, they won um, Repulse Drag Race. I remember what season it was, to be honest, but. Uh, season nine is the first season I've ever seen. I need to watch it. I need to watch it, especially now that like I so I know Sasha now, sort of. We're not like friends by any means, but like you know, we're connected. Like I can check in, and say say hi once in a while. Um, but we 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 clicked at the event because like I spoke earlier and just it was so fun. I was just I got to dress up. It just felt like I in a lot of ways I had arrived as Nicole's like to yeah. me how it felt. 
And then Sasha had this amazing performance and like spoke. At the end, they came up to me and they're like, you're amazing. Like, I want to stay connected with you. They're like, are you coming back out for like World Pride? Because I'm going to, I'm in charge of the float. And I was like, I don't know. I'd love to if Lyft's going to pay for it is what I said, basically. And they're like, we need to get you out. I'll make sure you get out of here. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> so I come, so I, go, so I go back to San Francisco and it's all surreal. Like I had so much fun in New York to the point where I'm like, maybe I want to like be out here more, you know, maybe I want to try some modeling out here. And at this point too, like Lyft had used the, the assets from the campaign, the photos on a billboard as well as in the subway. So like I got to see myself on a billboard Holy in shit. New York, which is which is a very like religious experience in itself. Oh, it was so surreal. Do you have photos? Like, what the do you have life? photos? I need to see that. I, I, I do. Yeah, I can. Okay. I can, I can Send them after. You. Yeah, I'm gonna need to see those. I will. That's insane. Oh, How so, cool. And so it was just like I was just like dropped in this what felt like fairy tale situation where like, God, just two years ago, I, I would never even picture this. I was engaged and I was like questioning things and yeah, um, just just wild. So anyway, so I, I do go back out so i did the all hands at lift and then i go back out to, to world pride and i got to be on the float with like Don, with sasha and um and their queens it was actual like a it was like a, uh, <laughs> like, a drag like a um it was a drag like uh routine but it was like they all had their like the order they went in they just repeat so i got to just be dancing up there with them it was so fun <laughs> so fun and being oh back gosh. there because i i started posting some of this stuff on social media i had people that wanted to photo shoot to shoot me so um, I did some more photo shoots when I was out there the second time. And I was like, you know what? I think I want to move here. So I was able to. Oh, um, now I'm seeing the so origins like, of Nicole's yeah. New York era. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I ended up, I ended up um, talking to my manager and they were able to transfer me to the New York office. Um, I moved out in September of that year and like, got there just in time for um, fall fashion week. I did, I did a, um, it wasn't really part of fashion. It was like right after, but I, I got to run, I do a runway show with this, this, this company that um, I wanted to work with. They did a lot of like inclusive work. Um, and it was like so cool and so surreal. Like moved to New York and I'm like running, walking on a runway. I'm like, what is my life? Oh my um, gosh. And then, you know, I just started having opportunities came come from that. So I, so I did more modeling. Um, I'm still like, what, you know, what is my life? Like this feels very surreal. Like this is, I grew up watch. I never left the Bay Area. So I grew up watching things like, like friends and like, you know, Seinfeld, everything's in New York. You know, I'm like, I could, I'm living here. What is, what is this? So I, I got to do a really cool campaign in 2020 at the start of the year for fashion week. Um, and it was a, uh, a, a campaign that was geared towards like gen, well, the fluidity and gender, you know, like the clothing was a little more androgynous, which isn't totally my style, but, um, but it was a really cool campaign because I got a chance to actually t- tell some of my story. I mean, like it was like seven or eight other like models. Um, maybe it was last night actually. Um, and we also got to be a part of this like panel. So we got to speak at fashion on this panel and it was super fun. I like totally enjoyed it. I was just had such a blast. Um, and then, um, COVID hit. So that like ch- changed the whole everything really. I mean, I kind of, you know, I ended up, uh, really, really enjoying, you know, the modeling stuff, but there wasn't a lot of work to be done after COVID. I also like had a big surgery, like literally right as COVID happened, right before COVID happened. Um, I had general confirmation surgery um which what for me was was a really you know i'd won for a long time and it was really important so you know recovering from that in this like post pandemic world like the uncertainty at the time in 2020 the summer of 2020 uh, it was a lot it was a lot it's really forced me to like over the past you know a couple of years like reprioritize some things in my life and um like i still see myself as someone that will continue to model but i won't aggressively be looking for like opportunities to get paid it's more just like i want to create art you know, if I as a photographer that I love, I love their work. Like I want to be able to like come up with an idea and, and run something with them, you know? So yeah, I was gonna say my point of all this is just like, you know, I, all because I had the safe space to be myself. That's really what it comes down to, you know? Just the, the modeling aspect of this or the modeling era, like story that you just told started, like if I'm thinking back correctly, it started because you found that you just found this, you on your own found this photographer you thought was cool and you wanted to have some photos and then it just like evolved at every step and just kept kept going <laughs> that's so cool just give a credit to my friend i did have a friend that that was like oh you should work with this person i've been following them for a long time we've messaged once in a while but never worked like that so i can't speak for their work but they, they seem like they're not you know problematic or any kind right i just want to make sure if she if she, if she hears this she knows she, <laughs> she gets some credit so. <laughs> yeah, shout out to her 
So we've talked about some of the modeling stuff and some of like the growth that you had in your first couple of years at Lyft in San Francisco. Um, and then COVID hit and you spent the last three years, you said, in New York. What, what was that? New, what were those three years in New York like for you in terms of just, you know, your growth? Being able to move somewhere where people didn't know me from before, um, I think, you know, did a lot for my just my growth as a person. Um, like when I came back from New York, I felt way more confident in my identity. Like, I, I feel like I, I can be around people from before and I don't have this, like, um, this um, questioning of things around, like, do they think I'm acting or something? You know what I mean? Like, no, like, this is this is me. And I've had a chance to kind of explore that. And this is what you're seeing as the real thing. You know, it's just, it took me some time to figure out what that looked like, but here I am. And so I think that it was really big in that sense, just to be somewhere totally new and kind of start over. Huge. Um and I'm sure you have a similar story with moving to San Francisco too, right? We talked yeah, about as you're saying, I'm like, yeah. could not agree anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's huge. Yeah. Cause like, I don't yeah. know. I, I always felt like I couldn't, I, I don't think I could have like just gone back to like where I had lived before. And I'll, I would, I don't think I would have given myself the space or felt like I had the space to really like, like truly dive in and, you know, explore, who, you know, figure out who I am because there are people that know me already. And I would feel, you know, that feeling of, can I just be a new person with these people yeah. who already know me this one very specific way? It's like, do I just like, can I just like show up to work on Monday and be like, hi, I'm gay now. Like, you know, like I, I just like in my mind yeah. I, that I can't do that. So I'm like, all right, screw it. I'm going to San Francisco where no one knows me. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's definitely something really, really powerful and freeing just doing something different like that on your own. I feel like I've taken this, this like philosophy um, kind of since I started at Lyft not because of Lyft, more just because of the timing and, and the opportunities I've had is like, I'm, I don't want to ever make a decision based, you know, based on fear. Um, and I've found that whenever I walk through an opportunity, like a door of an opportunity, like even if it doesn't go the way I wanted to go or the way I thought I was going to go, there's always multiple doors on their side. There's always multiple doors that I can choose from to walk through again. And there will always be other doors on their side, no matter what. Right. And um, I think that that logic also applies to like my relationships, right? Like it won't be the same, but It'll still, there'll still be something good on the other side, something good from it, right? I just won't know what it was until I walk through it, you know? And that could lead to something else uh, that, you know, in terms of how unexpectedly, in terms of like allows us to, to, to heal, right? Me and that person. So um, anyways, it's, it's a model that I, I've found to, to really, um, so far, to, to do me well. Um, so I highly recommend for anyone else that's like has fears and stuff and questioning and just walk through the door. Like there'll be something else on the other side for you, even if yeah. it's not what you wanted. So. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That is good advice. And I want to be conscious of your time today on this on this Easter Sunday. Um, but I did a, I do want to ask yeah. uh, one follow up question um, if you're comfortable talking about it. But you mentioned earlier that um, you're pansexual, and I'm just curious. Like, was that something that um, you started to explore while transitioning, or was that was that like a is that something more recent, or is that something you explored before? And I'm just curious, like, how your experience has been with that. Yeah, um, I definitely say it's something that came about. From transitioning, maybe about a year into my transition, when I felt comfortable to maybe start to date again, you know, I was yeah. still coming off of, of a, a broken engagement, right? A broken off engagement. So yeah. I, I wasn't looking, I, I was like, you know, I have the awareness to know that I just being in a relationship with someone right now is going to be do more harm than good for me. Because like, I need to, tr to like start this transition process and do it based on what is best for me. And I, I'm yeah. afraid I'll compromise. Um, and then I had my first like, girlfriend it was just it was kind of a shorter term thing um so transitioning and allowed me to like think more about what it is that i that i wanted and it was through this that I, I realized that i think i might be like bisexual or even like pansexual um i think the other thing i should probably say that might you know give some insight to this as well is you know my first sexual encounter was with one of my friends a boy um we were in middle school together um you know i had so much shame around around it just because like I was going to church every Sunday. It's like, that's like against whatever, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, <laughs> not, not, it's look, it's frowned, it's frowned upon in many, in many religious circles. Um, and, uh, I really liked it actually, <laughs> but after doing it a few different times, I basically told him like, I, oh, we can't do that anymore. I did just so much shame. I just like compartmentalized it. So from there on, I, I only dated women. Um, and I, you know, I, I still really enjoy being with women, but, um, I think by transitioning, all of a sudden, like the idea that I might be into like men 
wasn't scary because it was like, okay, well, that, I guess I take it would make me straight, right? Like, <laughs> it's just this weird thing to navigate. Like, yeah. So anyway, so I finally had a chance to start to explore this. I moved to New York. I like started to actively go out and start to date and like go on dates and um, be with men and women and non-binary folks um, and realized like, okay, like I think I know what, what I prefer. Um, I'm definitely still like pansexual for sure, but I'm definitely more into men like and just masculinity. I think it's just something I've grown to really enjoy in like my other, in my, in my significant other, you know? Yeah. Um, but like, I still like, again, I'm not going to like, um, discriminate, you know, based on, based on how you identify or, or what you're into. Like, if I think you're just a beautiful human outside inside, then, you know, that's what I'm looking for. So I thought I'd have to like come out to my parents again about this. Yeah. Like, like, Hey, so I'm actually in the guy or like, I might be dating guys. Like, yeah. And they're like, well, well, why wouldn't you? You're like a woman. And I was like, well, but I've only did a woman. Like, this is kind of weird, isn't it? They're like, not really. And I think they were just like, <laughs> there was no shock anymore after coming out as trans for them. It was just like, whatever. Like, yeah. we, we were, where you like came to terms with all this. So you be you, we're happy with you no matter what. So it was kind of, kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Nicole, well, thank you so much. This has been such a fun conversation with you. And it's been really, really freaking nice to like get to catch up with you and see you again. Um, it's been way too long. And I'm really excited for when we're both back in SF and we'll get to reunite in person. Uh, that'll be really fun too. Um, if your story resonates with some of our listeners and um, they want to reach out and connect or just follow your follow your journey and Nicole's Instagram is amazing. Um, some incredible photos like the ones we've already been talking about. Uh, what's the best way for them to, to reach out? Yeah, probably Instagram. Um, you know, just at Nicole Scarlato. Um, I'm private right now, um, but I still, you know, when folks request, I'll usually give it to them, give them access. Perfect. All right, Nicole, thank you so much. Yes, for sure. Um, have a great rest of your day and um, look forward to, to connecting again. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If this week's episode resonated with you, please take a second to subscribe and leave a review. You can find Reaching Out with Michael Constable on Instagram and Twitter at ReachingOutPod, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at MichaelWingsIt. Bye-bye, see you!